0: Life's complicated and overwhelming enough, especially for those of us in mission-driven work. Let's make your journey to health as simple and sustainable as possible. I'm Lisa Baker, and I want to welcome you to the Simply Health Coaching podcast, where it's the food and it's more than the food. On this podcast, we'll talk about the food you put in your mouth and everything else that nourishes you or doesn't, with special attention paid to the problems and opportunities facing women over 40 burning out in mission-driven work. My vision is a world in which we can all be well while doing good. And my mission is to give you the simple resources and practices and some helpful connections to get there. Let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by my virtual monthly programs, which include Flip Your Kitchen cooking classes and midweek wellness workshops on more holistic health topics. If you're an employer looking for wellness programming add-ons, be sure to check out my corporate annual subscription, which gives your entire team access to all 20 workshops for the year. The link to my shop is in the show notes, and I've extended the 25% discount through the end of January. Use coupon code wellness to claim your discount. If you're an individual, you can get an annual membership in my shop or register for single workshops on Eventbrite. All the links are in the show notes. Earlier this month, we kicked off the Back to Basics healthy eating series, digging into my principles of healthy eating. If you remember, my five principles are as follows, and I'm leaving the first one out of this series because it deserves an entire month to itself, and that's coming up soon. So the five principles are, eat when you're physically hungry, meaning not emotionally hungry, focus on whole foods cooked from scratch, Eaten in Moderation with Mindfulness and Gratitude. And if you go backwards in the podcast homepage, you will find an episode that relates to each one of these concepts. The beauty of these principles is that they apply to every eating style, from carnivore to keto to paleo to omnivore to what I call fill-in-the-blanktarian to vegan to plant-based. So if you wanna eat nothing but meat, which I personally don't recommend, uh, but if you're into it, make sure you're getting your animal products as close to the source as you can, cooking them from scratch, eating them in moderation and with mindfulness. That means no conventional sausage or chicken nuggets or burgers, most of which are full of fillers and other unnecessary ingredients. Wanna eat nothing but plants? Make sure you're getting your plant products as close to the source as you can, cooking them from scratch, eating them in moderation and with mindfulness. That means no fake meat, which is hyperprocessed and full of junk your body doesn't need. And yes, those chocolate sandwich cookies may be vegan, but they're really not good for you. Let's move on to this week's story. It's kind of gory. I recently had gum surgery, and I can't say I recommend it, but I guess it's kind of a necessary evil if you have teeth and gums like mine. The really unfair part of this story is that as a child, I religiously brushed and flossed, and every dentist's visit turned up at least one cavity. My brother was, shall we say, not quite so rigorous in his dental hygiene. And he didn't have a cavity until he was well into adulthood. What the heck? Yes, I do admit that when I found out he had a cavity, I kind of celebrated. Anyway, this gum surgery came with a f- sheet full of post-operative instructions. Focus on soft foods, no toothpaste for 24 hours. Apparently, it's too gritty. No swishing and Ew! No brushing or flossing in that quadrant for a week. Gross, right? So let's ignore the nasty parts and focus on the food suggestions though. What really struck me in the instructions was a line about possibly consider adding a nutritional supplement or meal replacement to your diet during recovery. Have you ever read the label on any of those supplements slash meal replacements? it's hard to imagine a quote-unquote food less aligned with my principles. And yes, I get that as someone who works with food and nutrition daily, I have a privileged insight into how to get the most nutrition from a pureed or soft foods diet. This does not really present a problem for me, so I don't feel like I need to add a supplement. Honestly, a large part of the solution was simply altering what I had on hand in the fridge. So beans for tacos turned into soup, roasted sweet potatoes became mashed, etc. And by the way, pureed cabbage, ugh, not so good. But it's all about experimenting, right? I remember a client who was preparing food for her husband who suffered from difficulty swallowing. And she told me once that she was converting many of the soups that we'd cooked together into pureed versions. And all went well until she hit beef barley, which apparently (laughs) turned into a gritty, chalky, nasty colored mess. My point is that it really is possible to get the right nutrition, even when you're facing a restricted diet. And this whole process gave me a deeper empathy for the medical center patients I support who are on a pureed or soft food diets. Let me just say, I feel you, I am so sick of soft foods. (laughs) Speaking of those patients, it's been fascinating to observe the patients that I support at the medical center. Obviously, this is a completely unscientific study, <laughs> but I would estimate that about 50% of them is on a regular diet, what's called a regular diet, meaning they can choose anything on the menu for their meals. This means that the other 50% is on some sort of carb, fat, sodium, protein, potassium, fluid, etc. cetera, restriction it's logical to assume that these regular diet patients are less likely to be hospitalized with so-called lifestyle diseases, such as heart disease, diabetes, kidney disease, etc., or they would be also slapped on some sort of restrictions. I would further estimate that a higher percentage of the quote unquote regular diet patients are over 70. Surprised? It might be surprising, but let's remember that the 70 plus year olds are sort of a transitional generation. If we count backwards 70 years, we get to the 1950s. Prior to World War II, most food was cooked from scratch using whole ingredients, eaten in moderate portions and in community. Food was appreciated and rarely wasted. Hmm, Any of that sound familiar? After World War II, as women continued to join the workforce outside the home, processed and convenience foods became the norm. These patients who are just over 70 are really children from that cusp. So here's the kicker. Most of the patients over 70 on regular diets When asked what they would like for dinner, choose meals that stick closely to my principles for healthy eating. Focus on whole foods. Choose close to nature foods from the menu, like fish, rice, vegetables. Cooked from scratch. Okay, they're not cooking. The kitchen is cooking for them, but I gotta say this medical center kitchen does a fabulous job of cooking a lot of meals completely from scratch. Eaten in moderate portions. These are not the patients ordering three entrees, four desserts, five snacks, even though they could, technically. They are on no restrictions. If they wanted three entrees, they could get three entrees. Four desserts, sure, why not? Snacks throughout the day, absolutely. These are not the patients placing those orders. Finally, mindfulness and gratitude. Well, this is hard to measure, Obviously, we don't know. Are they eating with mindfulness and gratitude? I will say that these tend to be the patients who are really courteous to me and really grateful for the service that I provide and for the food that they get from the kitchen. So you know me, I'm a kale pusher. And since the kitchen doesn't regularly have kale on the menu, I just push vegetables as a category. My older, regular diet patients regularly respond to the question, would you like vegetables with that? With something like, oh, yes. What's the vegetable du jour? Brussels sprouts? Sign me up. I'll take some cooked carrots and green beans too. Their moms would be so proud. The most common response from those on restricted diets, I'll bet you can guess. You got it. I don't eat vegetables. Sometimes this is said with force and sometimes downright rudely and it's often followed with but I'll have an extra serving of the pot roast and three desserts. The ones who make me smile even though I really want to cry just ignore the question completely and say I'll have tapioca pudding. (laughs) Well tapioca does come from a plant but still they at least have the sense to chuckle when I say "Mm, that's not a vegetable. We are, of course, strongly forbidden from being rude to the patients on the phone. So far, I've managed to hold my tongue even when what's on the tip of it is, you don't eat vegetables? And how's that working out for you so far? I run into a lot of patients who push back against restrictions and make it completely clear that they'll be going back to eating whatever they like after discharge many of them show no interest in learning how to modify their food and lifestyle choices once released. And every once in a while I'll get someone who says this whole consistent carb diet or renal diet or heart healthy diet, this whole thing is new to me. And I'm so confused. Naturally the health coach in me lights up at this and I do have to mind how many people are in the phone queue before I help them out. And you can bet that my four principles of healthy eating show up regularly in those conversations. So here's a question for you. Are you facing a diet change for an acute medical condition or procedure, or do you suffer from chronic or lifestyle disease? Think about these four principles as something that will help you to change your diet for the better. And if you are confused about a diet that has been suggested slash recommended slash forced upon you, reach out. There are people who can explain how to make these changes. I'm just saying it's really worth adhering to the principles of healthy eating that I've outlined above. If you look at who's in the hospital, what diet are they on and how do they respond or react to being put on that diet? Do they look at it as a learning opportunity or do they just shove it away? Hopefully the principles of healthy eating will keep you out of the hospital in some cases. And if you're looking for a reminder of the four principles of healthy eating, I have created an infographic for you, and I will put the link to that in the show notes. Feel free to download it, post it on the fridge. And if you are an employer or an HR person and you're looking for additions to your employee wellness program, feel free to share this link in your newsletter or just send it out to your team and say, hey, this is kind of cool. Print it out. Let's change the world one healthy eating principle at a time. Thanks for listening. Please note that any suggestions provided on this show are not meant to replace medical advice and the opinions of guests on this show are their own. Simply Health Coaching and Elizabeth A. Baker, LLC, neither endorse nor take responsibility for statements made by guests. Let me know your thoughts about the episode and share your biggest takeaways and aha moments. And let me know who else you want to hear from on the topic of being well while doing good. You can send a voice message directly through Anchor, as well as some of the other listening platforms. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast in your listening app so you never missed an episode. Love the podcast? You can support it with a donation directly from the podcast homepage in most listening apps. If you'd like to know more about my work, visit my website at simplyhealthcoaching.com. As always, the link is in the show notes.